The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining us, Hackett Financial Advisors. We're going to dive right into... No surprise, I wanted to hit the trade first because we've got some report information we're going to talk about more in depth. But China going to buy, China not going to buy is what you were saying. Sean, that's got to be some tough influences on these producers as they try to figure out how they're going to market this year's harvest. Well, it's very confusing. We keep keep getting daily conflicting news and rumors about... uh, uh, trade war negotiations uh, then are not and, and then there's reports today that the Chinese are going to have to buy in a few weeks uh, because they have no choice and then they deny it so, so you know there's just there's a lot of that noise that's going on out there that's affecting short term trading um, and, and kind of mudding the waters of you know what would be uh, you know some of the more normal things that we'd be worrying about this time of the year so it, it does make it challenging but for right now you know we have no choice but to deal with it so and I'm sure the minute somebody sees the word unknown destination on, on a purchase, they're all hoping that it is coming out of China. Well, I mean, you know, usually when you, when you have unknown destination, it is China. And, and I'm sure that, 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 that's going to happen. You know, that is going to happen. They do have to buy our beans. They will buy our beans. There will be trade agreements. You know, all these things will happen. And I think that's what's kind of keeping the grain markets, at least the soybean market, from falling much lower despite what appears to be a big crop is the idea that nobody wants to miss that trade, you know, that idea that China's going to buy or that things are easing, you know, it wouldn't surprise us at all if, you know, there'd be a dollar rally of soybeans on some kind of a trade agreement or a large purchase, at least on a short-term basis, whether it's sustainable or not, but I don't think anyone wants to miss that if you're a farmer looking to sell, you know? How influential is Friday's report having already on the markets on a Tuesday? The August report is really the first report that the USDA tries to make an assessment beyond uh, normal statistical parameters, meaning they actually try to look at the weather and they try to look at the conditions and they try to make a view of what they think is actually happening out there. The August, of course, especially for corn. Soybeans are still kind of early, you know, as we know August is so important, but for corn they do tend to make some adjustments in August and, and sometimes some meaningful adjustments. So it can be a really important report um, for corn especially, and, and, and a lot of times what they do in the August report, if weather's been good and crop conditions are good, you know, they, a lot of times they surprise with an upside yield increase. Um, and so one should be on guard for possibly the USDA to do that. Whether they're right or not is another story. They're notorious for sometimes raising yields in August and then lowering them in September and October, but I would be on guard for them raising U.S. corn yields in the month of August given you know the the, the the dynamics and the, and the parameters that they typically look at to make that uh, to make that call. You know, as you get a chance to look at all those preliminary numbers, I know we had the first set of numbers coming out back on uh, Friday from Informa. As you get a chance to look at everything and the talk and the discussion, what are your thoughts? How are you, how are you looking at these numbers and what we could see come Friday's trade? I mean, I think most analysts, you know, you know, if you, if you survey all of them and you look at all of them, I think most of them are expecting um, higher yields from what the USDA said in their last report. I think most of the analysts are sort of getting comfortable with the idea of something around 177 or 178. I think anything over 178 would be a, would be considered a surprise. Um, 
if the USDA were to raise yields to be up, you know, higher than, let's say, the 178 level. I think the market is kind of, you know, I don't think the market would be surprised on a number around 178 or less, but I think, I think over 178 would start to, you know, you might get a short-term violent reaction or, or gut reaction to the downside if, 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 you, if they were pushing yields closer to 180 um, and, and pushing carryouts possibly, uh, you know, into the 1.7, billion bushel area, assuming they keep demand static. So that, that to me is the demarcation line, 178, as to whether the market gets surprised or not, um, based upon what I'm seeing right now from other analysts and other estimates that I'm seeing. So, Sean, for marketing purposes over the next two days, what are some things that they need to be kind of looking at, keeping in mind, before we see those numbers released on Friday? I think every I think every producer has to be realistic about what they need to do, especially on on old crop. Um, especially, you know, many farmers try to hold out. They got caught not selling the spring highs because of all this trade war stuff. And I and I think if you really, really, absolutely, positively need to move some corn, raise some money here, and you know it has to be done in a short time frame, I would not just wait and and throw caution to the wind and see what happens with Friday's report. I certainly would want to take some of the strength that we've been seeing in corn, mainly from the wheat market taking off and kind of dragging corn up with it. We would certainly be thinking you should take that stronger price and sell ahead of the report some of your old crop corn just in case, you know, we walk in uh, at midday and get a surprise and they move the, the corn market down 10 or 15 cents. I just don't think a farmer should be laying it all on the line with, with, with something they know they need to do and need to do shortly, you know. Lots to think about before that report. And also we're seeing a lot of uh, discussion going on about the international marketplace and the, and the weather and the effects it's having on the trade, especially this wheat market. Yeah, I mean, the wheat market's had problematic weather all year long. And we've been commenting it on your report, uh, on your radio show many times in the past. And it's continued to worry and be concerned about it. And it, it's continued uh, to go down that path. And we've always said that if there was a market that's going to help the, the grain markets kind of overrun some of this trade where you'd be the wheat market taking off. And of course, that's what's happened. We had some significant, significant uh, downgrades in European production, Russian production, Ukraine production, Australian production. I mean, it's just been almost a, 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 a synchronous global drawdown of, of, of production expectations internationally. And we would expect the USDA to follow suit and also downgrade those expectations as well. And when we look at global wheat stocks, you know, we're starting to get, you know, we're starting to get these numbers down back to 2013 levels. You know, that we're, we're really starting to get down to levels where the, the market's going to start to, you know, run out of what we call buffer stocks or those stocks that they can easily, you know, draw down without making the market get too, too concerned. I and mean, we really are getting to a point where any further downgrades from here. We've got more of the Fontenelle final bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Hey. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Visors. When we went to go to break, Sean, you were talking about the wheat market and how this wheat market is, has been and continues to be a leader in the trade. That's not something we usually hear a lot about, especially when it has to compete against corn and soybeans. I mean, it's true. I mean, usually we is not the leader. And usually, you know, corn leads or soybean leads. But in this case, we've just had, you know, wheat is a much more globally grown market. You know, corn is simply South America and the U.S. Soybeans are very similar, but, but wheat's more global. And we've just had tremendous global uh, weather volatility in most of the key wheat areas. And it's disproportionately impacted 
wheat over the other crops. And, of course, the U.S. has had a very good U.S. crop and a very poor winter wheat crop. So everything keeps pointing for the wheat market to expand. So we always look at spread trades, the trade of wheat to corn, wheat to soybeans, and the, the wheat spread to corn and the wheat spread to soybeans has grown dramatically over the last 30 to 45 days, showing this outperformance. Uh, even though it has dragged, you know, corn and soybeans up with it. The other thing we would like to discuss or talk about a little bit is we think there could be a significant outperformance in the higher quality Minneapolis wheat market. Uh, that's a market, you know, that is smaller in nature but does trade futures. And when we look at the global wheat situation and we see all the downgrades in production, what we also see is dramatic downgrades in the quality of the wheat out there. And so we think that the Minneapolis wheat market could, within the wheat complex, start to outperform winter wheat. And, 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 and in fact, last year, if you recall, you know, Minneapolis wheat took off and traded much, much higher and, and kind of left the winter wheat market in the dust um, as we had a very, very poor uh, spring wheat crop here in the U.S. We're not sure it's going to get that extreme, but we do think that we're going to see Minneapolis wheat start to uh, to outperform significantly based on what we think is going to be a global short of higher quality wheat. So, for example, today, you know, we saw that spread improve where Minneapolis wheat gained by five or six cents against winter wheat. We think that trend could actually accelerate here in the weeks to come. Even if wheat chops sideways for a while, we still think Minneapolis wheat wins. So. Let's go over to the livestock side, and before we dive into the other side of cattle, with with you on the air with us, we obviously want to do a dive into this dairy industry and see what you guys are seeing in prices and where this market's going to move for the rest of the summer. Um, unfortunately, you know, dairy the dairy market's been hit by both trade wars, the NAFTA trade war in terms of cheese to Mexico and the trade war with China in terms of our exports of dry whey, which is the component of the class three price. And so obviously um, that dual impact has kept prices down and depressed and has, has given little room for any major rally to go on. We've had some dry, hot, dry weather in Europe that's helped a little in terms of get some of a price move, but we really, really need to see these trade agreements get going. It's very, very difficult, unfortunately, for the milk market to gain traction without getting some, at least one of these trade wars Resolved, and and so we hear talk about NAFTA, a lot of optimism about NAFTA maybe getting closer, being settled maybe by the end of the month. That would really, really be helpful. But, but until that happens, or until the market gets comfortable that we're going to get that, you know, we're, we're dealing with some oversupply here in the U.S. because of lower exports um, from the trade wars that have that have hit both these um, these important dairy markets. So we're optimistic in the in the longer term, but but unfortunately we feel like we're shackled and trapped by this trade war, and, 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 and we just need to get out of it for the milk market to do better, at least over the short term. From a consumer's perspective, though, they hear all this trade war talk, and they see in the mainstream media the talk that it means, or could possibly mean, cheaper prices for them at the grocery store and at the restaurants in some aspects. Well, that's assuming that the retailers and the restaurants want to lower prices. <laughs> we, 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 we know over the years, if you look at farmer prices versus the prices at the table, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stickiness to it, meaning that you, you don't always translate lower prices to the farmer, meaning lower prices to the consumer. There's a lot of people in the middle, and, and, and there's a lot of stickiness to it. So uh, in theory, uh, I think that you know, lower prices you know, can mean some lower prices for dairy uh, at, the, at the store level or at the retail level or at the restaurant level, but 
you know, we're not so sure that if the if the retailers view a trade war as a short term phenomenon, that they'll be willing to drop prices um, if, if they think it's going to be resolved. Because if it's resolved, they know prices will go right back up. So we're not sure consumers are going to get the benefit out of that, at least over the short term. As we look at the live cattle market, the losses and how quick they came in the trade today, is that something we're going to see hold out this week? This has been tremendous volatility in livestock. I'm sure as you know, I'm following, um, you know, following livestock that's been going up, up, down, down, up, down. Overall, cattle's been trending gradually higher within a very, very volatile trading range. Um, and, and we really don't see that changing. We, we still see that volatile uh, back and forth on certain trading, but, but, but working its way higher still being the course of the day as we still see some pretty good strong overall demand. Best way for folks to reach you, Sean. Best way to reach us is to go to our website at hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. The Fontenau final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.